Welcome back to the Confident Teen Podcast. It has been my deepest intention over the past four years on my own journey to provide value and to help support other souls, especially teens. I am a mama of two, a wife, a certified teacher, and a holistic health coach. I believe in the power of sharing our stories and our lessons to help support others. I also believe confidence is deeply rooted within us all. We have just forgotten how to access it. My hope is that you know, adult or teen, that you are worthy, you are capable, and your potential is limitless. I am so grateful to have you here. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so grateful to have you here to listen to another episode. And I am so excited about today's theme, Confident Boys. Janet, my guest today, is the founder of Boys Alive, and she is also the co-host of the popular On Boys Parenting Podcast. She is a mom of two daughters and Oma to her grandson. She was a teacher of many, many boys in the mid-90s. For several decades, Janet has been an advocate for parents and teachers, helping them understand how boys and men tend to communicate, what realistic expectations are to have at home, and continuing to work with the education system so that it aligns with boy development and boys. This conversation was a powerful reminder that we all need to be more aware of the way we are showing up for the boys and men in our lives and communities learning to understand how they view the world and how we can best support them to feel confident in all that they wish to accomplish for themselves. Janet, I am so grateful that I got to have this conversation with you because I learned so much and I am determined now more than ever to continue to learn in order to change the narrative so that everyone, including boys, can grow and thrive too. I am so excited for you you to listen to this conversation and please share it, tag us, spread this message far and wide. It is the one way that you can help support the show and these meaningful conversations and all of the guests that come on to share their time and space. I appreciate you. Welcome back to the podcast. It's another beautiful day for a meaningful conversation with a guest that I am so very excited to introduce you to. So her name is Janet, and I'm actually going to let her tell you a little bit more about herself before we dive in. Welcome. Thanks, Christy. So happy to be here. First and foremost, I'm a mom of two daughters, which everybody asks, why why do you specialize in boys? Well, because I was a teacher also, and I had a lot of boys in my class. And this was a long time ago, back in the mid nineties. And I had no clue what to do with these boys, nor did any of the other teachers, nor did the parents of these boys. So I got super curious. And since then I have founded Boys Alive and and work with advocating for boys. I'm a family coach and I have been the co-host of the On Boys Parenting podcast for the last six years with my co-host who has raised four boys. And most importantly, in the last 20 months, I've been an Oma to my grandson. And so, I mean, the contrast, Christy, of raising daughters, and that was a long time ago, 30 years ago, but still, my grandson is so different than my daughters were. And it's a hoot. We are having so much fun. We are just bonded at the hip and 
Um, it's been really fun to see him develop and grow. Oh, and love to hear that. Yeah, just as you're, you know, our topic of confidence and and it's really watching how our little ones can feel so confident. And my daughter's an amazing mom, just have to say, but she's let him chop vegetables and climb things and really get in touch with his body and feel confident and secure in his body. And I think that's such a foundational piece. Now, of course, I have no idea what he's going to be like as a teen, but just that he, you know, he steps into the world with confidence. And um, that's, that's, I think partly innate, but partly it can be taught. It can be developed. Yeah, 100%. And I'm so happy that you shared that because I actually grew up with a sister only. And I feel like, you know, myself, my sister, my mom, my poor dad, (laughs) he, uh, he maybe didn't get to experience as much with us as, you know, as she did. Right. But um, I have a son now too. And I can definitely tell the difference between my son and my daughter, the difference in personalities already. And also being a teacher, right. And having taught and kind of been lost in that teaching. uh, Same as you said, right. With the, just the differences between girls and boys and knowing now that I'm so passionate about the work that I do with teens, Yeah, I just I'm so grateful that you are here today to share your knowledge with all of us, because I know that there's so much that you're going to share that even for me is going to be such, you know, a powerful, powerful learning. And I'm just I'm very excited to, uh, yeah, just to hear all of your lessons that you have today, especially as it relates to confidence. And you're right, I feel like, you know, raising my son and seeing already at three years old, you know, where he's at. Um, yeah, just knowing those tools and those ways that I can just help to support him so that he can truly grow and thrive and just be, you know, comfortable with who he is, accepting of who he is and just out in the world and happy and yeah, not needing any validation from anybody else. And now I think it's just coming back to me, but I also don't want to, to put any of that control or any of, you know, my fears or my anxieties from my past on him. So just, yeah. Let's dive in. As we do with parents. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, you've been in the school system. I have and what and I've mentored and done professional development in tons of schools. And what I continue to see is that, of course, our schools are predominantly female teachers, especially lower schools and predominantly with females who don't understand boys, along with our education system that is not set up for boys. So our boys are from day one set up to be not confident. Let's use that word. Uh, And I think about this mom who told me this is years ago, but she said her, her seven-year-old son, first grade came home one day and said, mom, all the girls are perfect and I'm the bad one. Mm -hmm. Imagine going to school every day with that thought in your mind, with that truth, because it's true for him. And I talked to so many boys who recognize that girls can do the same thing. Girls can talk. They don't get in trouble. We do. And so there's so so we can, you know, at home, work on all our confidence, building all the things at home. But we have to recognize that out in the world, 
there are messages that our boys are getting that are very counter to letting them be fully who they are. And school is, you know, and that's not to say there's great teachers, there's great programs. And I would say the majority are still in a place of not understanding boys and not setting up their programs to support boys. Boys need to move their bodies. They need to move their bodies to activate their brains to be able to think. But it is still that notion of sit still. You're not listening if you don't sit still. So I just put that out there as like, this is a this is a continuing hurdle that we must pay attention to. And I think it really is up to, especially moms of boys, to be advocates for their boys, to go into school. How much is my son allowed to move? Are they still taking recess away? And yes, in this year, they are still taking recess away for disciplinary measures, which is crazy because that's what they need more than anything physical activity, boys make develop their friendships through um, bumping into each other and wrestling with each other. But so many schools have a hands-off policy. You can't put your hands on your friend. You can't wrap your arm around their shoulders. So they get this message constantly that they're wrong, that what they're doing as their full, complete, beautiful, active, physical selves is wrong. Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's so many things firing in my brain right now that I want to say. No, the listeners can't see me, but I'm just nodding, nodding away. <laughs> um, and the first thing that came to me was just when you said about that young boy, that seven-year-old, I, I see that as, you know, so that seed has been planted now, but that's not a seed that you want to nurture and grow. That to me is a weed that will just become an infestation, right? And you know, how do you, so how do we, you know, pull that root out and plant something so that they know, as you said, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with what they're doing. And I see it. I do see it in the school system. And this is partly the reason why I've tried to branch out and just focus on the things that I know are going to really help them to grow and thrive and to plant those seeds that that, that they need to be there. But I'm still seeing too in the school system, you know, they'll mark out the carpet and the boy who's rowdy and who doesn't listen and quote unquote, um, you know, like he has to sit in that in that in that area and he's not allowed to move. So he's centered out in front of the entire classroom. Right. Mm -hmm. Or as you said, they'll take away time at recess or I just feel like even all of the other students students learn to know that boy's name, for example. And it's just it becomes something that will follow them throughout their school years, right? It even comes to a point where, and I was saying this to one of my friends the other day, it's like the teachers even start to know, oh, you don't want that boy in your classroom because this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I find that too. It's really important to have these conversations because some of that becomes so toxic. And I honestly feel that it's just something that's been so repetitive and something that's so ingrained in the school system now to a degree that, you know, teachers oftentimes don't even realize that what they're doing is something that could potentially or will ultimately harm, you know, their confidence moving forward. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, until the school system changes and, you know, absolutely look for alternatives for your boys, forest schools are just amazing. And that is what our kids need. We also need to recognize that, um, 
studies have shown over and over again that developmentally boys are about a year to a year and a half behind their chronological age. So we have to adjust our expectations for our boys. So a first grade seven-year-old girl is going to look way different than a first grade seven-year-old boy. That seven-year-old boy is more like a five-and-a-half-year-old boy or a six-year-old boy in areas of his development, which is likely fine motor, being able to sit still, being able to follow directions, those kinds of things that put that marker on a child early in their school career. And so when we can start to pull back from that and go, oh, and parents that, I mean, the best thing a parent can do for a young boy is to delay school as long as possible and let him be the older in the class. The other thing is, you know, boys, it, the boys are not stupid. They can look around. They recognize, wow, I do not fit here. And so as, as parents, we need to make sure that our boys get plenty of physical activity before school so they can go in there ready to, you know, have a good protein breakfast, have water and be able to do what they can do in school and then recognize too, when they get home, they need they just need to let go. They, you know, they don't want you to ask them how their day was. Their brains are full. So give them space, let them play and have unstructured time. Not to say that sports aren't great and definite confidence builders for some kids, but I think our boys are, many boys are lacking in just that free play. Just go run around the field, go ride bikes with friends, that kind of play that, does let them test their capacities. And I think too, in, as we talk about confidence, we have to talk about risk-taking because mm -hmm. I'm guessing as mom of boy, mom of girl, you see that he's maybe he's takes a little different risks than your daughter does. And we as moms are very risk averse, right? We don't want, I mean, of course we don't want our kids to get hurt, but our boys need to feel their physical bodies. They need to push their limits. They need to see where their limits are. They're only going to see that if they're allowed to climb that tree a little bit higher than you might be comfortable with. But that gives them confidence. Yep, absolutely. It's funny you say that too. I'm kind of like laughing on the inside right now because I have caught myself in some of those situations where it's just something as simple as, yeah, oh, be careful. Don't like, don't do that. Oh no, be careful with this. And I'm always catching myself and I'm like, no, it's, he's okay. It's you. It's just you. Yeah. It's you and you're worried, but you need to let him explore and learn on his own and, you know, stand on his own two feet and let him fall and fail and get yes. back up and try again. And mm -hmm. that has been a super important lesson that has come to me as I transition from, you know, teacher and now teacher and mom. So yes. that part for me has been huge. And I'm just, I'm curious too. So I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and really to me and to a lot of people that I've spoke with, it's, it's this fact that, you know, I feel like a lot of people believe that confidence is really tied to success and checking the boxes. Mm -hmm. And I have come to realize, at least for me personally, that that was never um, 
that was never what cultivated my confidence as I, as I grew up. And I really honestly don't believe I accessed my confidence until I became a mom and until I stepped into this role and started really advocating for and speaking about the things that I'm truly passionate about and using my voice. And as you said, taking risks. So I'm curious, what, what do you think that looks like for our teens? How do we help them to cultivate confidence if, you know, it's it's not about checking off those boxes? What, what does that look like for them? We have to parent the child that we have. We have to set aside all the expectations of school and college and, you know, what are you going to, you know, are you going to be a productive adult? We need to parent the child that we have in the moment. And that means parenting them to um, amplify what they're passionate about. And it may be something that you like really don't care about, you know, who cares about Roblox and Fortnite? Many moms do not, but we have to recognize these passions in our boys and, and, help them see how they can connect to other things. But I was on this uh, summit for boys about a week ago. It was a big company doing um, marketing to brands or calling forth brands and marketers to understand boys more deeply. So as they're developing products, very interesting angle that I hadn't participated in before. And they had a teen, teen boy panel. So they had seven boys, age 14 to 17, on Zoom, and uh, they were asked to bring three things that represented themselves as a way of introduction, which I thought that is, I mean, that would be great for a teacher. My, a friend of mine is going to do that at Thanksgiving for just like bring, you know, family gathering, bring three things that represent who you truly are. And fascinating, these boys, seven of them, all but one brought AirPods, game controller, and something related to a sport, a basketball or a lacrosse or whatever. AirPods, music, game mm -hmm. controller, video games, which were totally a poor, you know, oh, they spend too much time on video games and something to do with the sport. If you think about it as a parent, I mean, the, the video game, the controller, especially is the thing where it's like, oh, that's not a thing. That's just wasting your time. You know, we're so against that. But when we can open our eyes a little bit more and go, oh my gosh, this is really important to my son. This is a place where he feels confident, where he's taking risks, where he's bonding and connecting with his friends and what do we do? I mean, it's, it, I would say probably 99% of the households, it's a bone of contention mm -hmm. and it, you know, it creates conflict rather than connection. Yeah. I, yep. I just, I mean, I'm still thinking about those boys. So profound. Yeah. The, the third one who was kind of the anomaly was uh, he brought a rock because of his love of nature, his camera photography and, um, and something to do with his friends, how important his friends were to him. I'm thinking right now, if that was my son, he would probably bring his excavator, his um, combine. I'm like trying to think of all, he's taught me so many. I used to think a truck was a truck. 
Oh, a truck yeah. is no, no longer just a truck. I could name every single one of them. And I, I definitely couldn't before, but you know, what's funny about that too, is I actually have heard people say to him and he's only three years old again. He, I mean, he's soon to be four, but I've heard people say to him or say to me that, you know, it's okay that he likes trucks now, but you definitely don't want him getting into construction later in his life because, you know, that's not a career and that's not a job that he should be proud really? to. And, you know, it, it, it oh. kind of falls into all of that. Yeah. Right. And, um, great. I'm grateful that, you know, that's not something that, you know, me and my husband are on the same page about that. I mean, my husband does work in construction. So sometimes also when you hear that, it's like, whew, like that's what my husband does for a living. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's still this notion around the fact that, you know, you need to go to college, you need to go to university, you know, if it, if it's not this job, then it's not the right job, or it's not a good job, quote unquote, and you're not worthy. And we're not good enough. You're not good enough if you work in construction and you like trucks and you like to dig, right? And yeah. I'm not even saying that that's what he's going to do when he's older. He might grow and change. I mean, I have. Look at me at 35 years old. I'm I'm rewriting my story. I'm changing the chapter. I'm I'm mm -hmm. closing that one book to write a new one. And yeah, I'm just curious your thoughts on that because I also see the work that my husband does, and I'm just I'm I'm blown away by the amount of of work it takes amount the amount of strength mental and physical yes. and yes. even just to be like outside in the weather I mean we've got all four seasons here in in Ontario yes. right in Canada mm -hmm. so yeah it's yeah it's all of I, that I mean this goes back to the education and the expectations and this expectation I mean when did we get this in the 50s maybe of of every child needs to go to college and sure, you know, we're glad that college is there, but many uh, boys, if they do go to college, they don't complete college. But what about if we're back in, you know, middle school and middle school shop, middle school drafting class? I mean, I had a lot of those hands-on car auto repair classes in middle school. Those don't exist anymore. We've gotten rid of those classes. And yet for our boys, that vocational education track can be the place where they find themselves, where they can work with their hands, where they do find their confidence. And you know, Christy, we got to have construction workers. And you know, how and you said it like being out in all weathers i used to live in portland where it rained a lot and i would drive past construction sites and there might be one woman but i would always send like this this heartfelt thank you to these men thank you for doing this hard hard work so we can have buildings and bridges and roads where would we be without that? We need electricians and plumbers. And that is no less valuable than being a, you know, college educated, whatever. We need that for, for our society to function. And our boys need that to have society value them. Yeah. And I do, I, I just wrote down to when you said the word expectation that really stuck with me because I do believe it is some of those expectations that are put on us by others or that we put on ourselves because we believe that that's what people need from us. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. But those expectations are truly what break down someone's confidence is, is truly what I believe. And I believe that when we can actually turn that around and just set, you know, goals for ourselves, goals that are aligned with the way that we want to feel, um, that's when we'll truly thrive and be able to step into that, con 
confidence and access it more often. And with that too, speaking of, of all of that, it's just, it's, it's the feeling, it's the emotion piece. Wondering if you want to dive into that a little bit, because I have noticed with the clients and I was telling you before we jumped on so far, all of my clients are boys. And so I've been curious and very open just to navigating because oftentimes, you know, they're signing on with me to, to complete schoolwork and some of the things that, um, you know, their parents need them to accomplish. And obviously we do set goals and they do have certain things that need to get done, but I'm, I'm often finding that, you know, it's, it's the emotions that are tied to all of that and holding space for them when they're not, when they're unsure, when they don't feel confident. So curious your thoughts on that. Oh my gosh. Again, societal messages, right? Boys don't cry. Boys don't feel boys. He doesn't talk. So he doesn't feel. And these boys on this panel again, were, were said, and most of them agreed, you know, just because we're not talking doesn't mean we're not feeling as women. How do we process anything? Most women want to talk about it. We want to talk about our feelings. We want to talk about our processes, our questions. And boys and men, typically, that's not their first go-to. They they might go out and chop wood or run around the block or do something physical to process their feelings. And then they might be ready to talk about it. But I see many moms that I work with that they want to have these deep, meaningful conversations with their boys. They want to know what their boys are feeling. What do you think about that? And their boys are like, no, I don't want to talk about it. I don't need to talk about it. There's not the same need there. Granted, they're, and you want to look for the openings, which are usually late at night or when you're super tired, that's when they want to talk. But even then, those conversations are going to be like two minutes, mm-hmm. a minute. And you, so you got to look for your openings because they're short, but they're, they're no less meaningful than our deep, long winded conversations. And so helping also helping him, and this goes from early on, you know, helping them label how they're feeling Mm -hmm. there, you know, I feel this thing in my stomach, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how to describe it. Well, is it excitement? Is it fear? Is it, you know, when you kind of go through all the things, where are you feeling it in your body? What is it? Why is it? And then, and it's emotion coaching really, and giving them an emotional vocabulary. And what a beautiful thing to have your three-year-old starting out with this mama who is, you know, giving him emotional vocabulary. I believe that many of our dads, that are fathering right now, that generation want to be in that place, want to tap in emotionally. And yet we're not raised that way. So it's oh, so hard. And again, we have so many expectations of our dads to be open and emotional and feeling and all the things with our kids. And yet they're just learning too. They're just figuring it out. So we have to give them some grace and recognize that they're, even if they have the 100% emotional vocabulary, they're still going to express differently than we tend to do as women. 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I feel like without some of the work that I've done for myself in the last three years, I don't even know if I would have the understanding like I do now, right? It wasn't until I started having conversations with other people and until I started, you know, just being curious, as I said before, about, you know, different perspectives and different ways to look at things and, you know, just trying to understand from somebody else's point of view, that has been huge for me. And then also hiring my coach, which I know, you know, Heather Chauvin and just, you know, having somebody else to really just, yeah, try to focus your lens somewhere else so that you can really truly start to understand things from a different perspective has been so powerful. My son, this is coming to me right now too. My son actually said to me the other day, and I just thought it was so cute. He sees me cry if I'm upset about something. Um, I normally don't get into too much detail with him. It's just mommy sad, this happened. And um, the other day I actually started crying because I was happy about something. And so he's like, oh no, mommy, you're sad. What's wrong? And I was like, no, I'm like, this is, I'm like, I'm actually not sad. I'm like, this is a happy cry. He was like, he looks so confused. He's like, what? So you can cry if you're happy and if you're sad. I was like, yeah, you can. He's like, oh, well. So it was just really cute. He was happy the other day and he wasn't crying, but he's like, mom, I'm sad. I was like, you're so oh, cute. That's so yeah. great. Yeah. It's they're like sponges right now, right? They, they yes. take everything. Yeah. Yeah. But imagine having that vocabulary and that understanding kind of embedded at a young age rather than trying to figure it out as a teen who has gotten the message all the time that boys don't cry and boys don't. And the other thing I think that, um, well, this is coming to me, Dr. Michael Reichert is a boy advocate and um, he talked about a study of boys, young men, ages 18 to 24. And they said that they, that no one knows them. They don't feel like anyone in their life truly knows them. And talk about feeling lonely. We have this epidemic of loneliness that the media is talking about. Talk about feeling lonely. If you feel like you are not known by your parents, by your friends, you're just alone. And boys do get the message that they want to or need to handle their emotions on their own, handle their problems on their own, because that is what strength is. That is what being a man is. I'm putting that in air quotes, um, mm -hmm. is to be able to solve their own problems. And part of that whole picture in that study was they don't want to be a burden to their families. They don't want to burden other people with their problems and their yeah. feelings. And I feel that actually so deeply because I know even just as a teen girl growing up, um, you know, I feel like in maybe a lot of families, and this might be a generalization, but I feel like a lot of people or a lot of you know, from my generation, like we were always kind of, our feelings were never really validated. Like it was always like, no, 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 just go, you know, go deal yeah. with that alone in your room. And then, you know, mm -hmm. it, that's it. Like there wasn't even ever a conversation about it. Right. And wait, did I you have my, did you have my parents? <laughs> <laughs> I understand now though. Right. You know, we're, we, we can only do our best with what we were taught. Mm -hmm. And that is why I'm doing the work that I do now, because without, you know, the work that I do, I, I wouldn't have had a sense of, of any of this either. So 
that's why I just feel like it's so important to have those conversations. But I, I can understand from that perspective, right? Because I never felt as though it was safe to feel. And so I chose to numb instead. And this is yeah. why, you know, I find myself at 35 years old needing to be completely sober because alcohol completely consumed my life until I became a mother. And it finally shook me awake and made me realize that I was going down a path that was in no way productive and probably would have ended badly. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah. And yeah. I think that's my yeah. biggest fear is especially when it comes to our teens, just knowing that you know, people will just throw out there, oh, it's just the teen years. They're just going to this and that and experiment and whatever else. But there are so many moments from my teen years that I truly do wish that I could take back. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I just feel like there needs to be more education around it, around drinking, around relationships, around feelings, around, you know, the support that you can seek out and find if you're in a position where you just you do you feel alone and you feel like there's nobody out there who's willing mm -hmm. to listen there are people yeah there are yeah yeah and it's scary as the parent of that teen because you maybe don't have the knowledge developmental knowledge or the you know communication skills knowledge to how do I get through to this boy typically who I'm not saying that it's not girls too who won't talk to me who is withdrawn who is angry who is you know refusing to go to school it's super hard and I just want to say you know acknowledge that that it is really hard it's really scary. We can tend to project toward into the future and think, oh my gosh, this is not going to end well. And yet to pull it back into the present, stay present. Our boys, all of our kids need to feel, uh, Michael Reichert again uh, says, our children, we all as humans need to feel well held well held we need to feel valued we need to feel loved we need to feel connection and whatever that connection looks like you know it's going to change as your boys grow and and change but that they know that you are there fundamentally unshaken unshakable you are their lighthouse that is what you have to be for them and you can do them a favor by you know, doing your own emotional work uh, outside of, of their view, you know, you got to be off doing your own emotional work as well. And you can bring that wisdom and strength and confidence back to them. Oh, I love that so much. I was kind of getting emotional there because I'm actually mm -hmm. thinking about him. Like I'm picturing my son growing through the years and just yeah, I'm just, I feel like I'm so grateful for the journey that I have been on and the seed that was planted within me to do this work because I just, I I know and I have so much faith that, you know, change is coming, even if it's just small. Um, yeah, day by day, if we continue to have these conversations and just show up a little bit differently and choose differently and just be curious about our boys and, you know, what it would be like to be in their shoes, right? Um, yes. It could make a world of a difference, so I'm curious, Janet, what would you say to your teen self if you could speak to her? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, I would say, and I, I feel like I did this. It's like, pursue your own interests. I was kind of a loner, so I kind of did my own thing. 
pursue your own interests. And um, I was shy. So I would say, you know, speak up a little bit more. I was shy Mm -hmm. as a teen. Yeah. Hard years. Teen years, man. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And the fascinating part as I work with these moms as a family coach is often when your boys are tweens and teens, you're in perimenopause or menopause. And so there is just like hormones racing around the house. And and so as moms and dads, you know, make sure you find time for your own self. Don't give everything over to your kids. It, you've got to reserve some some adult self and yeah. interest you're pursuing your own interests too that's important so very important absolutely oh i could talk to you forever i'm so grateful that you came on today to share all of your wisdom all of these important messages um i would love for you to share too where the listeners can find you because as you said i know that you do also work with families and the work that you are doing mm-hmm. is so very important so i would love for them to be able to find you Great. You can tune into the On Boys Parenting Podcast. You can find that anywhere you find podcasts. And I'm at boysalive.com. I do offer a 30-minute breakthrough call if you're really struggling and you want to get get your get the ship going down the right lane. And that's just boysalive.com slash call. You can schedule that there. And uh Christy, I love the work that you're doing. It's so important and working directly with the boys, which is something that I don't do. I work with the parents and teachers. I think we need more of you in the world also. So thank you for all the all the wisdom and love that you're sharing out there. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that so much. And I will link everything that you said in the show notes. And I, I do, I appreciate you too, because having conversations and connecting with people like you. Um, yeah, it just helps me to feel more confident in the work that I am doing. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for showing up today and for taking the time to listen to another episode. If any part of this episode resonated with you, I would greatly appreciate if you would share it with somebody else who may need to hear it too. Please don't forget to be brave, to trust yourself, and when you're ready, take action.